Hey everyone, and welcome back to another installment of My First Season. My guest today worked for Club Med from 1996 to 2008. His first season was in Club Med Copper Mountain with Oreo Stern as a ski and snowboard instructor. He was also a water ski geo, ski school director, and a fellow chief of sports. He is from Sydney, Australia, but has been living in my neck of the woods in Chambly, Quebec for the last 15 years. We will get into how and why he is living here, not to worry. Fun fact, he played rugby for the Montreal Irish Rugby Football Club with my brother-in-law. What a small world indeed. Please help me welcome the one and only Shannon Brown. Hey, Shannon, how are you, sir? I'm very well, Greg. Thanks for having me. Do you know I love Australians? Have you heard this about me? Oh, I have heard that on the odd occasion after listening to a few of your podcasts, but yes. <laughs> yeah, I'd say Aussies are even nicer than Canadians, and that's probably like the biggest compliment I could give when, you know, when I spent a year in Australia, like I, I was just blown away by how polite everyone was. And I was over tipping everywhere. And they say, well, you know, you're not supposed to tip the cab driver, but you know, I was, it was like, what a great place. Well, mate, I bet you, you would have been real popular tipping, tipping in Australia. So uh, yeah, no wonder they loved you. I was. <laughs> All right. You were from New South Wales. Okay. Sydney, your place called the Northern Beaches, Mona Vale, right? That is correct. Yeah. Known as the Insular Peninsula because okay. those of us who live up there, we we rarely uh, get off that uh, that neck of the woods. We don't venture into the city too often. Okay. I have a very Aussie question for you. Have you ever surfed Womp at the Basin? Yes, I have many times. My mum actually lives right on the Womp, which is very funny. I don't know where you got that information from, but yeah, many, many times <laughs> as a kid. I, I did my research, you know, yes, I know you I, I also know Mona Vale has a rugby league club, you know, I, uh, I, uh, I, I looked up on you. It's a nice, you know, beautiful place too. The pictures are, are stunning of, of that place. And uh, what size uh, surf do you get there? Like how many, how many feet are the waves? Like, I, oh, guess I mean, it, it definitely varies uh, depending on kind of weather patterns, but uh, I mean, it can get, you know, it can get up to about 10 foot where it's still surfable, anything bigger than that. And it's just a big uh, washing machine. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you became a ski instructor. You did your level ones in Whistler, British Columbia, right? I did. Yeah, I did. So I did my level one and two in Whistler. Then I moved on to New Mexico where I was working at a, well, not a small resort, but a medium sized resort called Red River. And I did my, so I ended up doing my full certification there. So I switched from the Canadian to the American system and I did my, uh, my full certification there. I did two years there. And uh, yeah, that's when I then moved on to uh, to the club after. Okay, so that's the uh, instructor tell you about Club Med. Did you meet someone that worked there? Yeah, I did. I was when I did my level three exam, which was my full certification. We were in Telluride in Colorado. I think we were probably eight participants, and one of the participants was a geo by the name of Angry Sean, Sean Archambault. Excuse me. Hold up there, Shannon. <laughs> did you say angry, Sean? <laughs> I did say angry, Sean, because we also, okay. had, we also had happy Sean. So okay. okay. So I don't have to ask the next question. Okay. There got you it. Go. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so I met him and we got on really well as a two day course and we got talking and coming from Australia, you know, where you're coming from a long way away, trying to organize accommodation every single season when you're starting at a new, you know, or the same resort, even it's, you know, it's a headache. Uh, so when he told me, I'd, I'd heard about Club Med, but when he told me about it and that, you know, it's right on the mountain at Copper Mountain, foods included, uh, accommodations included, uh, I was I was sold. And then, so this would have been 1996. So 
how did you apply? Like, how did you know how to apply? Was was it online then yet? No, definitely not online. It uh, He, I don't recall if he gave me the info, but he told me all about it. So I don't remember who I applied to, but I did do my interview at the Sydney office with uh, Barry Cripsy, who was in HR at the time. Oh, Barry Cripsy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I recognize that name from when I was there in 2000. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you were planning to go home after you got your your level level three there in, in Red River. Is that right? Uh, not. No, I mean, planning to go home. So what I used to do was I would do, I mean, to, to bring it all the way back to when I was a kid. You know, I was a kid who grew up on the beach surfing every day, but we went skiing was a novelty in Australia back in the early 80s. Not many families were doing it, especially regularly. Uh, so we went down just for a week as a family and I just fell in love with it. So from 12 years old onwards, all I wanted to do was ski. So my mom said, look, if that's you, if that's what you want to do, do it. And that's when I went to Whistler when I was 18. And I worked at, so I worked at a ski area in Australia called Charlotte Pass. And that's when I do back-to-back winters between the two, uh, between the two countries. Okay. And you, did you have your interview with Barry? I did. Yeah. So I had my interview and thank goodness there was no uh, needing to perform at that point. It was a, yeah, a pretty standard interview. Uh, the one question I do remember he he said to me was, uh, you know, what makes you better than the than the next guy who walks in? And it's a, I found that a really good question for, from an interviewer, and I, I was stumped at the time. And I said, look, honestly, I don't know. Superman could walk in the door behind me, and you know, what have I got with him? But I said, what I can do is I'm I'm punctual, I'm passionate, and I gave it. I guess I gave a good enough response because uh, I, I I got in. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I remember remarking to you how uncommon it was for an Aussie geo to immediately get sent to the North American zone, you know, Copper Mountain. But you told me something interesting, which was? Which is that I have a mother from Texas. So I was, yeah, U.S. passport from the day I was born, which uh, definitely helped to open up the Northern Hemisphere. That's right. You didn't even have to. Not, you know, even though it's a great place, you didn't have to go to Lindemann or, you know, the Asian side. I know, exactly. And and honestly, I mean, I was so, all I was going to ski, you know, I was definitely not going, I don't want to say for the geo experience, but I was definitely going because for the whole, the ski product and, and whatnot. So the geo experience came after, right? That came after. Yep. Okay. So I'm curious. So when the instructors, when the male instructors found out you were coming and they saw Shannon on the list, did they think it was a girl? Because because uh, uh, you told me something interesting about your name, right? You tried to change your try, change your name to your middle name. Uh, yeah, I got to thank my old man for that one. For you know, what is it? A boy, a boy named Sue. You know, uh, uh, yeah. Learn how to fight early. But uh, no, basically, <laughs> yeah. I, I like I say, I disappointed a lot of people because they thought there would be a a good looking girl showing up. But no, no, he's. <laughs> and why why did he name you Shannon again? Uh, you know what? That that to me is still a, a great question that I, okay. I don't have the answer to. He liked the name, so okay. go figure. You know, well, it, is a, it is a tough name, right? Like you know, the toughest guys are the ones with names like that, like Marion. You know, well, that that's right. But you know what? If you if you go on uh, if you go on Google, if you ever Google your own name, which I did, there was a, a NBA basketball player with the name Shannon Brown. Uh, who was a guy, not WNBA, but there was also a, a woman country western singer from Nashville, Shannon Brown. So yeah, I'm pretty popular. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. What do you uh, remember about arriving there? You know, Copper Mountain for the '96 '97 winter season. You had Oreo Stern as your chief of village. Do you do you remember anything about arriving that first day, that first week? 
Oh, 100% because we had a stage. Uh, so we didn't actually have the job when we arrived. There was probably 20, or t- I'd say 20 of us that were there for to do the ski stage, which started a month before the village opened, which was great, actually, to, to kind of wean your way into, you know, to seeing the team come as they come later on. So we were the first ones in the village to start this stage. and But they took it seriously. Like Eric Turner was running the stage. He was the assistant ski school director at the time, who later became chief of sports and chief of village. There was Mark Kelton also, Penn Henderson, John Radcliffe. And so they were the, the ski instructors who were running the stage. And yeah, they I wouldn't say they put the uh, the fear of death into us, but they let us know that, you know, you, you have to perform. If you don't, there's no guarantee you, you're staying for the season. And when you say perform, did you have to do like a course or something? Yeah, mean, not absolutely. A, not a written course, but I guess a practical down the mount or what? How did they uh, yeah, how did they? Course. A four-week course of, uh, so every day we were out on the hill skiing and doing, uh, you know, going through the through the rounds, which for me wasn't a big problem because, like I say, I'd already, like some people were brand new, some people had only had minimal experience. So I was pretty experienced in that side of it. So I wasn't too worried with that, but but for sure, you know, and then we had theory at night. I mean, it was it was intense. Did they test your dancing ability at all during not, this? Not at that point. Jeez, I, okay. probably, I probably wouldn't have made it through the first uh, couple of days if they did. <laughs> okay. All right. So you pass, you do your four weeks, and then, so then you're considered a GO now? So, yeah. So do the, do the four weeks. And we had, uh, I mean, even leading up to that. So when the time for the test came, Mary Claire de, de Botoli was the, uh, she's the one who was in charge of all the ski product back then. And, uh, you know, there was all this talk, oh, Mary Claire's coming, Mary Claire's coming, or not necessarily to be scared of her, but she she definitely had a presence, Mary Claire. And uh, I don't know if you know her, the, the wife of Silvio, but uh, both those people, Silvio and Mary Claire, like amazing, amazing uh, people, so much knowledge and whatnot. So she came and there was actually at the time, just before we'd done the test, excuse me, we were uh, we were out snowboarding, riding alpine snowboards. So they're, they're pretty fast. And we were a big group of us with some of the, the ski geos who were already ski geos, probably 10 of us, and we're all coming down the hill. And somehow Mary Claire and I have almost run into each other and she's shot off into the trees. Everybody's like, what have you done? What have you done? And, uh, you know, geez, that's Mary Claire. I'm like, I don't know. I'm sorry. So anyway, she came out and uh, credit to her. She's like, no, no, it was not your fault. All good. And uh, and uh, again, I kept my job. So uh, that was the the start of a beautiful, uh, a beautiful 12 years. Well, since you're half Texan, I'm guessing you didn't have much culture shock when you got to Copper Mountain, right? I mean, it's not no, so- not, at, not at all, especially coming from New Mexico, which uh, was like little Texas in its own right. Uh, yeah, no, no culture shock at all. I mean, I'd spent a lot of time visiting the grandparents growing up and uh but uh it was it, the big thing for me was coming working at a big mountain that was uh, that was amazing what else can you tell me about that first season first season i as i say i i became a geo later on in life i guess uh i was probably not the best geo as the as i i got so we were told yeah you've got to do shows you've got to do shows so my roommate and i uh, a guy called josh lang very good friend of mine still we both said, okay, we're going to go. We're going to, we went to the very first rehearsal and we went up and they put everyone up on stage. And as we got up there, they, they picked who they were going to keep and said, oh, okay, the rest, we don't need you. So we were like, oh, well, they don't need us. So for the rest of the season, we kind of 
you know, we'd do entrance at the restaurant and whatever, but uh, we didn't do a show that uh, that first season. What what did you do in between? Because I see that, you know, I'll, I'll just say this quick. So after your first season of Copper, you go back for 97, 98, Carlos Castro, 98, 99 with Hammer, 99, 2000, yep. Kenton Smith. What, what did you do for the summer season? So summer season, I was back in Australia teaching skiing at uh, at a ski area back in uh, in New South Wales. Are you serious? Yeah. You, you would willingly do that flight back? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. All the time, mate. All the time. Like, I was so, like I say, with, Club Med at the beginning was another avenue for me to ski more than, you know, like, oh, I'm the anti-geo in the sense that I wasn't going looking for the sun. I was following the winters wherever I could. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. So these first like four years you have pretty good chiefs oreo stern carlos castro hammer kent smith so i don't know where to because you did copper you know geez like five, five times in a row then you did crested so why don't you tell me any story or anecdote you want from any of those seasons you know because uh you you have quite quite a long career in club med, quite so a long career. <laughs> well you know what we'll talk about what you what you want to talk about so if something comes to mind you know please let me know for sure yeah i mean so like i said the, I guess the difference between a winter village and a summer village, especially with the ski instructors, is that a lot of us don't do the summer. Like there are some who will do the summer villages as well, but a lot will only do the winter. Like they're, they're really the ski instructor and then they will, some were doing other things, but uh, not everyone was doing the summer seasons as well. So it was the, it's a little different, I guess, in just in the structure. And that was even said, like some of the geos like, oh, I don't think you'd handle the summer season type of thing. And, and it was right. It was, you know, my first year in Cancun, it was like, oh yeah, it's a, that's an eye opener. It's a, it's a different, a different way, even though everything that the, the system is still the same. It's just a, a, a little bit different the way the winter villages work with the geos and whatnot. Well, I'll say you start in 96 and your first summer season's not till 2002 in Cancun, right? That's correct. Yeah. How, however, before that, you know, you did a you did a season in Crested Butte with Greg Snyder, and uh, you were you know now you're an assistant ski school director, but uh, you're identified as a high pot high potential, right? And then you That's go to Cancun with Howard McCarley, who oversees your stage, correct? That is correct. Yeah. So uh, out at Crested Butte, it was myself and David Mayer who were both uh, put on the the high pot. They changed the name to Kijio. It's the same thing that. Uh, I guess there was too many connotations with the high pot. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I remember that. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so David and I, we were, uh, the first one we did was in Cancun, the winter of 2002. So just before I went there for the summer season. So we went down there and, you know, coming from a, a winter village and getting told you get to go for five days to a summer village, especially somewhere like Cancun. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty exciting. Well, speaking of exciting, you know, you met or saw someone there. You unknowingly saw your future wife there, right? Didn't know Almost. it at the time. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? So, yeah, so we arrived. So we left We left Crested Butte on our way over there to Cancun. And Ryan was the chief of village. And it was, it was around his birthday time. So Hammer and Boone and a few of the other geos from Sandpiper had all flown out there to celebrate Ryan's birthday. So the night we arrived was just a huge party. And I remember standing on the uh, podium there, just looking into the uh, into the nightclub. And I was with, standing with David Mayer. I looked at him and I said, I saw this beautiful blonde girl with curly hair. And I said, I'm going to marry that girl. I mean, 
they were they were big words i'd never even spoken to her but uh 20 years later here i am and uh i married her well it's true not many women can resist the aussie charm as i as i witnessed this in lindeman firsthand so uh, i know of what you speak my friend but it um, took work mate it took work yes <laughs> but uh, now we should say that she is from province of Quebec, right that is correct yeah she's from sherbrooke so okay. uh, she was uh she was a beach geo Okay. uh there at uh, she was working in sailing and yes yeah, so when i came back in 2002 she was there and that's when we got to know each other and uh but you know everything was plutonic back then it's cancun so have yourself a good time but uh we had a good group of friends brazilians and uh some quebecois and some french and lo and behold i was the only one in in our kind of group of friends that didn't speak french so it was an interesting time sometimes that uh, I was. Yes, uh, but they, they didn't speak Aussie either, though. So. They didn't. No, no, very, very much so. And uh, <laughs> I had to, it's funny you say that, though, because I had to learn to use my words better, I guess, because even the Americans at times didn't understand what I was saying. So. <laughs> well, like I said, when I got to Australia, I was alarmed to see there was an Aussie English dictionary and I thought we both spoke English, but, you know, the expressions, oh my God, it's never ending. But uh, summer 2002, so yes, you do go to Cancun, you're with an Aussie chief of village, what are the odds? You're with Gus, Luke Gus Neal, and you're a water ski geo. So I assumed you learned how to water ski back home in Australia. So yeah, well, I, I thought I knew how to water ski. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I learned with my cousins. We had a we had a house on a lake and uh, a holiday house. So we learned to ski behind a nine point nine uh, little tin tin boat with skis we found in the council pickup. We fixed them with bike tires, rubber, and you know. Oh. So we taught ourselves to ski there. And then later on, a friend of mine bought a ski boat, but an old nineteen eighties clunker of a ski boat. And we all, you know, we taught ourselves to barefoot and. And then I got to Cancun thinking, oh, yeah, I know how to ski. I, I I learned a lot that first season. You know, I learned how to barefoot properly. I learned how to uh, to Slalom. ski a lot better and to ski the course. And uh, had a great chief of ski, a guy called Robert from Brazil. And uh, yeah, it was a, it was a really really fun season. And your was your chief of sport gecko? Uh, gecko was the chief of sports. Yep. Okay, and your future wife is at sailing, so you're both on the sports team. Yeah, and... exactly. But um, so when you go to Crested Butte for winter 2002, 2003, does she go with you or no, not yet? No. Well, at that point, we weren't together. So we. Oh, OK. Uh, well, we you really just... did have to work, right? Like, you Oh, said. yeah. Yeah. Okay. I had to go back another season in Cancun <laughs> and she came back as well. <laughs> OK. And so, uh, uh... So yeah, because she was doing school <laughs> at the same time. So she would only go for the summer season as well and then go back and do her uh, university during the winter. And okay. so, yeah, so I went back to Crested Butte. Uh, with Ryan Ryan Leach, right? Uh, so Ryan was the first one, actually. I'm trying to, yeah, because Gus came a bit later. But yeah, because Gus came after the two, because I did the two Cancun seasons with Gus, and then he came to Crested. So, And when, when you say uh, assistant ski school director, how hard a job is that? Uh, you know what? It's Ski school is a, it's almost like a, Compared to Chief of Sports, where it's really front end and really, you know, microphone and being around and being present, Ski School Directors, are, it's more of a back end job in a lot of ways. It's a lot of organization and daily organization as well. So every day putting together, you know, when people come to a ski village, you're, to, in, you're talking about 90% of the, of the GMs are there to ski. 
as opposed to a summer village where you've got people there for all different reasons. So it's uh, so yeah, there's a lot of organization goes into that. So with the ski school director, as well as training, doing all the training of the ski instructors and getting them ready for exams and whatnot. So yeah, it's a, it was a, you know, I looked at that part of my club med, you know, I never went to university. So I really wanted to, to go further and learn back end the back end of things and get more into the training side. And, and I called that my university. When you have beginners, I mean, absolute beginners in skiing and snowboard, which one is harder to teach someone or I guess harder for them to learn snowboard or like skiing? It's a good question. Um, skiing, I think, is easier to learn right at the beginning. But I think snowboarding's easier to get really good at once you get the concept. So it, I think because, you know, you've just got one board on the bottom of your feet there. So once you understand how it works, you're working one board versus, you know, once you've got two skis on, there's a lot more, uh, lot more things, you know. And again, it depends on the person, depends on what they've done before. Surfers will get straight on a snowboard and have very little problem, you know. True. I, I, because I, I windsurfed before I snowboarded, I, th- I assumed I'd be carving like I did in the water, but I, I didn't find that the case. It could have been the mountain I was on, but it was, you know, this firm packed granular. So I was, I was confused why I wasn't able to carve uh, right away when I could do I it know. surfing or windsurfing. Right. So I was a little bit, my uh, back, back tail kept, you know, fishing all over the place. So I didn't know what I was doing wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, like anything. Yeah. Like we're typical guys who think we can just pick something up and we've got it. Yep. I mean, that's me. That, that's me on a windsurfer. I, I can surf. I've surfed all my life. Put me on a windsurfer and I'm still such a beginner. Yeah, that, that one takes a while. Okay. Oh, man. And every time I think, yeah, I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it, I just get frustrated and I throw it away. And yeah, I'm someone's coming to rescue you. Oh, exactly. In the, in the security boat, you know, and then you got the, the ride of shame back to the beach. Yeah, exactly. we, all, we, yeah we, we, all, we all go through it. <laughs> so, okay, so after this, you go back to Cancun, summer 2003. You're back with uh, with Gus and you got Nicole Cooper. So shout out to Cool Cooper is your chief of sports. Uh, we're, we're, we're from the Lindemann team. So shout out, Nicole. Fellow Texan. Yes, right. That's right. Longhorn, right? Great golfer. Yeah. Great golfer. She did this impossible shot of Lindemann for a pool game. It was like she had to hit this this tennis ball into a into an umbrella. I don't know how far it was. I'm there. This she'll never get it. She like aces it on one shot. Like I'm like, whoops, okay. I guess yeah. she's a great golfer. And your future wife is here. So, yeah, so we're both back there uh, together. She's back working and back working at sailing on back at water ski and uh, and a lot of the same team from the year before. So it was a really I, that probably goes down, even though it was shortened, um, as Gus had said on his interview. Uh, uh, yeah, we got shortened at water ski that year. So yes. I ended up helping out the sailing team and helping out, uh, you know, just wherever until i uh, until i had okay out. so this puts you in close relation to her now did she find out that the shannon brown tattoos not easily washed off like so I, okay i like guess so, mate, I, I guess persistence finally paid off and okay. uh well, and, it took uh, a few years okay it, it's, it's funny though because her friend uh clem clementine um durand was uh she was a boutique geo and then she became chief of sports uh years later but that was her best friend there. And she just said, look, he's from Australia. You're from Quebec. Have a bit of fun. You're going to both go your own ways and that'll be the end of it. And, uh, well, it wasn't the end of it. And uh, here we are. <laughs> See <you> on the <laughs> track. Right. All right. Okay. So so now are you considered, quote unquote, in couple? 
like at this point in your um, career or or you still uh, went separate ways after like you go to Crested Butte again with with Gus in 2003 2004 does she stay in uh, Cancun so she stayed in Cancun and then she went back to um back to school again to finish the degree uh she came to visit when Gus was so we were in Crested Butte she came to visit for uh 10 days which was uh, which was great but again you know you're still you still there's a lot of logistics to to make a relationship like that work when you know you're sure. in different villages or both from different sides of the world. Somewhat something has to give at the end, I guess, which which it finally did. Hence, uh, hence, 15 years in Quebec. But okay. it's <laughs> we got <laughs> no, him. We're, no we're, complaints, we're, mate. We're we're claiming you now, Shannon. Canada oh. claims you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it feels like home. Honestly, uh, it feels like home here in uh, in Montreal in uh, in Chambly. Oh, good, good. Well, yeah, as, as we're recording this, uh, winter is setting in or coming. So, you know, uh, let's see how you feel in January. No, I'm just no, kidding. I think, been, I think I've proven that I like my Yeah, yeah. You've been through the worst of it. Yeah, I love the winters. Crescent Butte, and then you go to, here's something interesting. You go to Sandpiper, summer 2004, with uh, Kevin Bad as your chief of village, right? I did, yes. Okay, how'd you like Sandpiper? You know what? Again, uh, as you hear other people say, "Oh, Sandpiper, G," but it's a fun village if you have the right crew of people. It's it's like living as a geo, but having every single amenity that you need and around you. And yeah, it was it was. We had a great season. I was lucky. I got to go there water ski. Where to water ski there? You needed a, a six pack captain's license. So that was an opportunity for me to get this uh, captain's license that Club Med uh, looked after everything, and uh, just another another notch in the belt. That uh, you know, another did another you, thing in the resume. Excuse me, Shannon. Did you say six pack captains? Yeah. So it's a it's a captain's license which allows you to drive a boat up to a hundred ton, which certainly we didn't have, but uh, that's what you need to drive on the intercoastal waterways there, and up to six paying passengers so it's like having a oh six packs okay i thought after after the okay yeah no. after a week of uh, the of the you know you pulling the gms i thought they had to give you a six pack yeah a six pack okay. yeah. Well, that'd be okay. all right <laughs> yeah won't say no to that right exactly well you mentioned if you got a good crew so did you have a good crew in 2004 in sandpiper who was there anyone, anyone we know oh uh, so on the ski team was boone myself oh boone Macy to start are you the dastardly fellow that showed that poor Boone how to do a stuntman shot? Was that you, Shannon? I did not show yes. Boone. However, oh, I mean, oh, okay. Rewind that back to uh, to uh, the year <laughs> okay. in uh, Copper Mountain when uh, Hammer arrived. Yes. And, okay. And so, yeah. So when they arrived, I was running or helping run the ski stage, just like the one that I did when I started to have the, with the new ski instructors. And so I was uh, helping run that. So we were already in the village and then Hammer arrived with all his team from Sonora. That was just after he'd come come from Sonora. So they arrived and I'd just learnt this. Uh, I'd learnt the stuntman from someone back at my ski area in Australia. So uh, so that's where that took off in Club Med. But Okay. Now, I've seen it, never done it. I'm, I'm guessing the, why don't you just tell our listeners who don't know maybe what a stuntman shot is? Just ex- explain it, please. Uh. Uh, it's pretty simple, uh, pretty simple thing, and it, it it actually works to take the each thing takes the pain out of the next thing. So you, <laughs> instead of uh, licking the salt, you uh, snort the salt. Yes. You drink the tequila and you rub the 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 lemon in the eye. See, that's that's the 
that's the part I think I'd have a problem with, like willingly squirting lemon in my eye. Doesn't your automatically your eye want to shut before you do oh, that? It does, but I, okay. I, I think the salt is the reason the salt goes first because it's the worst for sure. It is? Yeah, oh, it's hard. The salt's what? pretty. I think yeah. lemon in my eye would be worse, no? Well, no? okay. none of them are good. None of them okay. are good. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> kind of makes you wonder why, why we started this thing. Oh, right? I know. But, but, you know, we, we had a good time with that. And uh, and funnily enough, talking about myself becoming a better geo, that during that season, like I was never a big show guy at that time. And during that season, Hammer did a a meeting with every single, at least front of house geo. Uh, geo. I'm not sure about back of house, but... He, you know, I mean, that's when I first saw a manager who really took the time to individualize everybody. And he pulled me, as, you know, he pulled me aside for my meeting and he said, and and to his credit, he said this uh, in all honesty and I, and I took it in my stride. And he said, you know, he said, Shannon, I'm not, I'm going to be honest with you, but I'm a little bit disappointed because I really thought you were going to be a rock star. And, and, you know, and then he's like, you know, as the season's come along, you know, you're a bit more, and it, honestly, I'm quite an introverted person. And, but it, it sat with me for a while and uh, it made me think, you know what, I've, I've got to come out of, like when I'm in a comfortable crowd, I'm easy to come out of my shell. But, you know, you times that by whatever and you've got a big group of people and I'm a little little more reserved. So it took me, you know, it took me a while, but uh, but I definitely got more involved in shows as time went on. Well, Hammer's a, you know, I never worked with Hammer, but I, I can tell he's a smart manager and I think he just... You know, he's like Yoda. I think he told you what what you needed to hear, right? I mean, absolutely, and that's it. Like it was, it was exactly what it was. It was kind of like a, I knew it. You know, I knew it. Like I know I should push myself more, but but I didn't. But I mean, fast forward to the season in Crested Butte with Ryan, and Patchy was the uh, was the choreographer. Patchy, shout out Patchy. Sorry. Yeah. So <laughs> so Patchy came up to me. She said, "Shannon, I want you in a show." So I said, "I said, all right, Patchy, I'll do a show with you." But I want to be the lead. Oh, no. Here I am thinking, oh, she's going to say, no, no, no. She's like, absolutely, <laughs> you got it. I'm like, oh, okay. What? Okay. So can, I ask what, what, what kind of, can I ask what kind of show it was, Shannon? Yeah, it was. It was the uh, Titanic. So I was Jack in Titanic. What? Yeah. Are you, are you, who was your Rose? Uh, Rose was Patchy. Oh, lo- lucky so, guy. Hello. Oh, mate. Good time. Little portal. Do and uh, oh. doing River Dance there. And the very first show we did. I worked hard because I am no dancer, as uh, as I've heard you say yourself. But yep. uh, I worked hard, and the the next night I was at, or the next lunchtime I was at the the buffet, and this this probably seventy year old guy, eighty year old guy comes up and he goes, "Oh, I saw you in the show last night. You were great. Everybody else was out of time, but you were all in time the whole time." I'm like, "Well, I, I, I thank you, sir, but I think uh, I think everyone else was in time, and I was certainly not." So. <laughs> But, right, uh, well, but well, I appreciate there's other people who have my timing. Well, <laughs> let's let's settle this debate that's been raging since '97. True or false? There was enough room on that on that door for Jack, right? Like he didn't the, have to on the door of what they were floating on. He didn't have to to go that way, right? There was I, I don't room. think he should have, but you know, yeah, there was there was enough room, right? I mean, I think I I think it's been proven at this point that there was enough room for him, right? So, uh, but you. Yeah, you would think so. Sorry, sorry for the Titanic heads out there. My apologies. Okay, <laughs> all right, let's get back to it now. After Sandpiper, you go to Crested, of course. Joey Templin, you're with another yeah. Aussie Chiva Village. How lucky Yo, are you? 
did a lot with Aussies. It's funny. I, yes. I always wanted to be the token Aussie, and then it was always the chief got all the got all the uh, attention. But no, nah, it was it was amazing. Love Joey to this day. We uh, we keep in touch. Uh, we keep in touch all the time. You know. Well, well, he's big on animation, right? I've heard. So did he stick you in any shows? Yeah, funnily enough, uh, the first uh, well, my second season there with Carlos Castro, Joey was the choreographer. So we've known oh, each really? other since back then. And he said, he, he, you know, he, I was like, Joey, I don't do shows. He's like, no, no, I'm putting you in a show. So back then, and that was something I kept as I kept going along, I uh, did the the dueling banjos, the watermelon number. And uh, I, I still keep that as my own. Love that one. I'm, I'm sorry, Shannon. I've never seen this number, but I'm imply, it implies that you you and another person were eating watermelons in, to, in time to the music. And... That's exactly right. Yeah. Oh, wow. I never saw that. That'd be awesome. You've never seen that? Oh, no, awesome. never heard of it. Okay. So, you know, it takes very little skill and gets a lot of laughs. So, yeah. And you have to like watermelon, I assume, right? And you definitely okay. got to like watermelon. Okay. Yeah. Where do the seeds go, though? Okay. Do you spit uh, them out or you eat them? Okay. They, they, they go in, they go out, okay. they go wherever. <laughs> got it. Okay. All right. So after that season with Joey, you take the uh, the summer off and uh, now you wind up in Japan, Sahara. For winter 2005 so did you request Sahara or they just needed you there and sent you there no so i it was getting to that point in the career where I, it was time like i'd been assistant ski school director for quite a while worked under some really good people remy guillaume gentil a swiss uh, a swiss skins was chief of ski for a very long time then he ran the golf product in uh, sandpiper and after that i worked with uh, stefan decobert another really really good manager uh, but, you know, I, I was ready to move on. They wanted to send me back to Sandpiper as uh, chief of beach. And I just, I wasn't, wasn't prepared for that. So I went back to my ski area in Australia and I was just kind of waiting. I knew Stefan was going back to Europe. So I thought, okay, well, I'm, hopefully I'm going to get Crested Butte. And I was waiting, got a phone call from uh, Kate Ferguson, I believe. And Kate said, Shannon, we've got a promotion for you congratulations it's a double promotion you're going to go as uh, chief of ski and chief of sports for the summer to Sahara. so that was a shock i was not ready for japan but uh i'm really glad that i got that opportunity and your chief of village was fred dowant from uh, fred he's from belgium right that's correct yeah and now you're but your girlfriend goes with you right so yes. you guys tell me about that yeah, so I when I found out, so I was back in Australia at my ski area there, and first thing I did when I found out, I got on the phone and I said, "Well, I just got Sahoro because she was on the the fence of whether she was going to keep going with the club." I said, "Would you be interested to come to come with me?" And yeah, it took her about five seconds to say, "Yeah, absolutely," because you know it's going to another part of the world. Obviously, that's a, a big part of the club and what we all love to do and, and see different parts that we probably wouldn't otherwise. So, uh, so yeah, that wasn't a hard decision. What was her job? At the time, I don't know. She just finished school. She's in communications. Now she's the, director. well, I mean, I mean, uh, sorry, I'm in, in the village. Does she oh, do in like, the village? Sorry. Yeah. Critique? So, uh, so actually, yeah. When she originally came was to, to run the ice skating rink because club med made a, a rink right in front of the, uh, in front of the hotel. Oh really? So she's in charge of what she uh, what she thought was going to be giving lessons and whatnot turned into basically putting on skates for kids in minus twenty. Um, <laughs> so she didn't love that. I mean, she's a very good figure skater, and uh, she didn't love that. So we needed more ski instructors. So I worked out to get her on the ski team, and then 
animation ran the ice skating. So they, they took another geo to, to look after the ice skating. So she right. became a ski instructor pretty early on. Well, a ski school director now was, was a language a problem. Cause I'm assuming you had some Japanese uh, ski instructors, right? Almost all besides the, how many did we bring over from North America? We brought three over plus we had about six or seven from Australia. So the majority were Japanese. So yeah, huge learning curve for me. His first time as a, as a manager where the decisions are down to me. So yeah, coming over before when I knew it, I went and got the uh, babble or whatever the, the kit was to learn Japanese. I'm like, I got to learn something. And I started working on my Japanese, but I did, honestly didn't get very far. Uh, but I had a great, great uh, assistant ski school director, a guy named Shinji Oba, very competent. And he was my translator for, for everything. Any culture shock uh, at all? Like, cause I know you didn't have any in copper since you're half Texan, but now you're going to Asia. I'm assuming this was your first time in Asia, right? Uh, for, well, I've been to Asia in the past, but yeah, definitely the first time working over there. And uh, yeah, huge, huge culture shock. You know, it's, it's funny. Right at that time was when uh, Lost in Translation, the movie came out. Oh, yeah. Uh, and there's so much, you know, flying over there and having layovers in airports it's a lonely place when you don't know anybody and you can't even read what's on the menu or what's on the wall. And uh, yeah, so I, I really uh, reflected a lot on that, uh, on that movie. Uh, but arriving in the village, um, we did some Japanese. And so we, again, we arrived early before the village opened all the uh, non-Japanese geos. And we had one of our Japanese ski geos giving the, the Japanese lessons for the ski instructors. And, you know, it's a, it's a sink or swim type of, you, you get it or you don't and, and, uh, and the rest is history. But, uh, so I started doing the lessons, but I had too much organizing to do. So I sort of pulled out of those, but yeah, no, huge, huge learning curve. And, uh, but I, I would not, you know, wouldn't not do it again in a heartbeat. It, it was great. And that summer, so you're still in Sahara in 2006. But you also do the chief of sports, so you didn't. But you didn't get sent for any like official stage. You didn't have to go to OPO, right, and sit in a classroom no, no, for seven hours a day. Stage. I guess I had, um, you know, the high pot thing stuff with Howard, which was all leading into that. As far as organi organizational stuff and all the mise en place, I was pretty competent with because of, uh, you know, ski is really involved in that. I guess for me, it was uh, being more extroverted and getting up and a bit more, uh, in front of the, in front of the crowd. Uh, so yeah, it was a learn on the job type thing. So you liked, you liked the uh, chief of sports? I did. I liked it, but my passion, I guess, and my, my strengths were still much more in, in the, the winter side for sure. Okay. But I liked it. I loved it. Absolutely. So yeah, you do another winter, 2006, 2007 Sahara. And then you go to summer 2007, you go to Cannes with another Lindemann Island alum. So shout out to Barbara Bertanza, who was the chief of village there. And you're the chief of sports, right? Uh, what do you think? What do you think of Cannes? Like, did you ask for Cannes? How, how, did, how did you get there? So it was a so second season in as, as chief of ski in uh, Sahara. Fred came up to me and said, we've got to talk about next season. Where do you want to go? I said, well, honestly... There's only one place I really want to go. And he said, Well, where is it? And I said, I want to go to Canny. I said, but I don't think that'll I don't think that'll be a possibility because I thought Canny was one of these villages that, you know, everybody wanted to go. He said, I think I can make that happen. I was like, You serious? And yeah, a couple of days later, it's like, there you go, you're going to Canny. 
I'm guessing because you asked for canny because you're Australian, Australian and the waves are great there, right? Exactly. There's a there's a perfect little right-hander right out the back of the there's the little island on the back and you just paddle across the island, walk out there in 5 minutes, you're surfing uh quality waves. It was it was amazing. <laughs> Well, yeah. Speaking of surfing, you have a kind of a, a story, right? From uh, from that season. Yeah, you, probably you, not you, one of my uh, probably not one of my most uh, responsible uh, things. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, uh, I I I stretched the relationship with uh, with Pascal there a little, but uh, but long story short, I uh, every afternoon around five o'clock, I would always go out uh, and surf for about an hour and a half, two hours, but I was always at the bar at seven o'clock without fail. And there was one afternoon I went out there and there was a friend of mine from Australia, another XGO who worked at Copper Mountain with us. And uh, he's like, I'm going to be out there. Let's uh, let's go. We'll surf together. So we surfed. He's like, do you want to come back to the boat? He was staying on a boat for a 10-day boat trip. And I said, yeah. So I went over to the boat. We had a beer. And at this time, it's probably around 7.15. And I'm thinking, oh, geez, I guess I better start getting back over. And as I'm, it's it's dark at this point. And as I'm coming back to the shore in the little uh, little dinghy from their boat, I see a boat coming towards us. There's a light flashing on us. I'm like, geez, who's that? And it's coming close. And I see one of the scuba guys, a local guy called Otto. And he's in his full wetsuit with his scuba gear. He's like, is Shannon on that boat? Is Shannon there? I'm like, yeah, yeah, Otto, I'm here. What's up? I get back to the, to the dock at uh, Canny. There's the whole maintenance team, the whole scuba team with their full scuba kit on. Every single boat that we had on the island ready to already out or ready to go out to search for me. Uh, Because uh, Pascal had not seen me come back and uh, I hadn't come back yet. She went to see Barbara and Barbara was like, that is not normal. Barbara was straight onto it. And uh, so, yeah, not not my proudest moment of... uh, (laughs) By any means, I owed a lot of people a drink that night. Uh, yeah, I was a bit sheepish, but uh, it all turned out turned out pretty good. I uh, I was alive and well, and yeah, I'm still married. In your defense, it's a it's a beautiful right hander, though, right? Okay. It, it is a beautiful right hander. <laughs> okay, it, it was tasty too. So yeah, and the the part of the story I like is that like you guys actually you didn't go back to the beach to take the boat. You actually paddled while you were out there to the boat he was staying on right exactly yeah this is a part of the story i love i don't know why you didn't even go back to shore you just went oh we'll go to that boat over there and have yeah. some drinks okay yeah, right. uh, yeah. Well, as you do as you do right I mean, you do exactly okay. yeah now i probably should have been more responsible but for the and she still stayed with you after that she good on her yeah good on am... her. what a trooper yeah. okay. oh i tell you what and it, and that was my response i got off on the the jet. i was like i told pascal where i was yeah yeah well did you go to uh you guys go to Sahara because you go back to Sahara for that 2007 2008 which which is technically is is your last season club that right? was our last season so yeah, yeah with, Joey, back Joey to Sahara with uh with Joey which was which was a great season to end on uh you know I did my second season with him as choreographer and then we did our last and that was his last season as well before he moved into the offices in Sydney and you know we i he'd been there in the summer so he was pretty comfortable with the village i was very comfortable with the village because it was my third winter there and and we had a we had a great time great season well and you also mentioned that in between like in 2005 and 2007 you did two or three interims at lindeman island so how did how did that come about 
So, yeah, so when Gus went to Linderman, because mm-hmm. I was back and forth from Australia and whichever village I was doing the winter in, uh, I always had kind of a, a bit of time off in the in the middle there, in the kind of the off seasons. So Gus is like, oh, you're not doing anything. Do you want to come up and help out? I said, yeah, for sure. So the first time I went up there, Gus uh, organized it and I flew up for a, for a month. And about a week into it, he had to go. I don't know if it was to a stage or if he had vacation. And then Joey came and uh, and took over the village again. So between Gus and Joey, we worked together so many times. And uh, yeah, but Lindemann was a, a lot of fun. The first time I'd ever ever been there. Even, you know, you hear about it, the Australian village and whatnot. But uh, yeah, special place, huh? You know. Yeah. Yeah. I spent a year on that on that rock and loved loved every second of it. So yeah. did they, what, what, what kind of uh, interims did you do that? Were you on the beach at all or? Uh, yeah. The one, the first year, I think I worked mostly on the beach, but again, because of the tides. Yes. The low you're tide, working, right? You're only working <laughs> a small portion sometimes of the day. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. and so I, I, I had my golf clubs with me, so I'd go up and play golf with the GMs and, and I, it's the first time I really got a, you know, when you'd see the, the geos who would come the, the when Jenner and cheese had come sometimes to a village or uh, Scott to Palmer and they just come and spend it and they're just hanging out most of the time. And that's what it, what it really was for me, but it was, it was so fun because I didn't have really a set schedule. So I would just go and play tennis with GMs, go and play, uh, play golf and then work on the beach whenever, whenever I was needed. And yeah, it was so, it was yeah good times. Did you get to uh, see any of the island? Like they have a lot of trails there and other other beaches, and or did you climb the mountain that that, uh, that was there? Climbed the mountain, yeah. What is it, Mount Altium? Is that it? Yeah, yeah. I believe it's it is. Trail. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Went over. Um, yeah, did some of the some of the hikes, and uh, definitely spent a lot of time on the golf course, which uh, the 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 famous eighth hole, probably one of the most picturesque holes you'll ever see on any golf course in the world. Yeah. Exactly. And did you ever, when we were there, we would order pizza by plane. So did you guys do that when you were there? Never, never did that. No, okay. Craving for pizza is not that high. (laughs) I heard you mention that before. It's very innovative. You know, I think I think it's just the idea that I I can do it. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Uber Eats. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. The original. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Cool. This has been awesome, man. Oh, mate, I've, I've really enjoyed it. Okay, Shannon, so tell me, so from 96 to 2008, that's a long career. I was curious, like, who did you enjoy working with? Um, Yeah, shout out, I guess. Um, I mean, definitely my first roommate, Josh Lang, a great, great guy. Uh, that first season, obviously, it's memorable. And, uh, you know, people like Stinky and Chantal, Stephen Lee, Scott Barney, Dimitri, Lev Blinchik. And then through the years, every, you know, chief of ski I've had, which uh, Remy, uh, Stefan, Gilles Wagner is working together. David Mayer, my best, uh, best mate uh, from, from the club. We're still close. All the way up, Shinji Oba, couldn't have done it without him in Sahara. Fred Dewans, so many people I owe a lot of my, my career and, you know, who I've become now. So it all comes from, from just amazing people at the club. Uh, sorry, Shannon, I, f- I forgot to ask you about someone that a, uh, another guest mentioned on the show and I hadn't heard about it. So ha- did you work with Robels and Michael Teclamarium? I most certainly did for, for many, many years. Yeah. I worked with him in Copper, Crested and in Japan. Okay. That's, and did you know that, uh, obviously you know that he competed in two Olympic games, right? I sure do. Yeah. I mean, I was, uh, I was there when he was starting it out to, 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 when he got the idea, 
pretty sure you got the idea probably late at night at uh, at the bar in Crested View. But uh, he started running with it. And at that time, Ethiopia didn't have any ski or any uh, ski federation. So through himself and his family, they started the Ethiopian Ski Federation. I guess what uh, he was a, a snow ski, he was a ski instructor in uh, in in Club Med, but before that, he was a he was a very good uh, cross country skier, which is what he represented. And uh, I remember being in uh, watching the opening ceremony there when we were in Sahoro, whatever year that Olympic, I think it was the Italian Olympics, and to see him come out onto the onto the the main arena there carrying the Ethiopian flag. It was, uh, you know, I, I get goosebumps now just thinking about it. It was amazing. Must have been surreal, right? Like seeing someone you work with now he's holding the, he's holding his flag, right? Coming out in the in the opening ceremony. That must be wild, right? Oh, beyond. Like seriously, you know, you you talk about have you met any celebrities uh, at the club? Like for me, he's the biggest celebrity. I, you know, I know. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> it's it right. just amazing. Like uh, to see that. Like who can say they've held their country's flag at the at, at an Olympics opening ceremony? It's just phenomenal. That's right. That's right. So you've been about 15 years in, in Chambly. Where, where do you go skiing now? I'm sure you go skiing around Montreal. Do you go to Tremblant? Where do you go? Oh, I try to avoid Tremblant, but... Uh, why, why, is that? Why, is, why is that? Well, why is that? Many reasons. Um, <laughs> Just give me Price, one. <laughs> Price being one of them. And uh, Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. It's definitely not my favorite mountain uh, in Quebec. Which but, is? Uh, in Quebec, it's got to be massive. Massive. Oh, okay. Man, but uh, again, they're a bit away, but... Yes. No, we have our we have our pass for Bromont, which is about forty five minutes from the house, and we've got two boys now, five sorry, seven and nine, and uh, so they're trying to give them the bug, and they love it. So we get up as much as we can. Now, after all this time, so you left in two thousand eight. Is there anything you find yourself uh, missing about Club Med? Is there one thing? Is there three things you miss about Club Med? You know, the biggest thing I would say that I miss, and I wouldn't say we ever took it for granted because we all you know, did it when we were there, but just the accessibility we had to top of the notch equipment, you know, you've got brand new ski boats from Supra, uh, a petrol, unlimited petrol that you can fill that thing up whenever you want. And you can go out and ski on, on great equipment and you've just got people. The other thing is people being around friends and always having a good time. Even, you know, it's uh, it's, it's never work even when it is. <laughs> And do you drink tequila now the old-fashioned way when you have it? Just like in your I, mouth? I, I try to avoid the tequila these days. <laughs> oh, yeah. I do it in a margarita. Right. Very, right. very few shots. <laughs> right? But, uh, yeah, I, no, that was that was short-lived. As I say, I, I yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I can't drink at night anymore since I left Club Med. I has to, I'm a day drinker now. Because a day drinker? I thought you were going to say a morning drinker. <laughs> no, oh, no, no, no I'm, not, no. I'm not that bad. But no, but it, because I, I don't sleep now as it is since I left Club Med. And if I drink at night, well, I won't sleep at all. So I have to drink like, you know, before four, you know, before 8 the... p.m. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy, right? Someone says, hey, you want to go out to drink? It's Wednesday night. You know, I would never say that before. <laughs> Mate, I, I hear you. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's funny. What, like now I'm pretty good 15 years later, but. Yeah, the the old come down effect from uh, from living at the club was uh, it, it took a bit it took a bit of time. Do you do you still get to go out to uh, Australia once a year or once every two years? I do. Luckily enough, I work as a flight attendant for Air Canada, so that helps me uh, keep that uh, that side of things going. All right. Well, so looking at your career there, I'm um, I'm guessing that you know in the way it happened, you probably wouldn't have changed a thing, right? You're glad you did it, right? 
Absolutely. Not even uh, like beyond uh, what I ever expected going into it. That's for sure. And you'd recommend it to uh, other people who are thinking about it, giving it a try? Yeah. Absolutely. It's uh, funnily enough, I had an old friend from my ski, my ski resort back in Australia, whose son has just gotten a job uh, working at Club Med Tamamu for this next winter. And he just asked me for a bit of advice. And I just said, look, tell him to get involved as much as he can. He's a young guy. I think he's about 21 and he wants to, he wants to move up the, move up the chain. And I said, get him involved. Club Med's the perfect place to to go and uh, you know make, extend your career and move up the the ladder more than any other hotel chain. What was the name of that village you said? Uh, Tamamu. Where's that? Uh, not far from Sahora. All all up in Hokkaido. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. So is it a new uh, ski village of Club Med? Uh, yes, I think it's probably been around. It's been around for a long time, Tamamu. But uh, oh, really? Oh. As a well, as a as a Club Med, I think it's yes. been five years, maybe. Okay, got it. It will take. I, I don't remember exactly when it was, but uh, yeah. Well, Shannon, this has been so awesome talking to you. I'm so glad you agreed to come on and share your story uh, with us. So I want to thank you for that. Thank you very much. Mate, thank you. Really, thanks for having me, Greg. And we're going to have to uh, to meet up one time and have a have an That's early right. meet before, yeah, before yeah. 4 p.m. Thank you. That's why I said that, because I knew yeah. that invitation was coming. So just <laughs> I, I laid the groundwork. Okay. There we go. <laughs> course if you can find vb in montreal then i'll bet her off okay <laughs> as it All is right. i get I, I get vb like once a year from somebody i know who's going to australia and brings me back a can of it god he, bless he, him. he brings it back i bring back my veggie yeah. mine, but i leave the beer there oh. <laughs> but there could be a oh, hearing no. oh i still have a jar of 23 year old vegemite you know and it hasn't changed i open the cap and it's pristine you know i don't know what's in what's in it <laughs> okay that made it'll it. last forever that's right <laughs> That's an acquired taste, right? <laughs> well, everyone, that was Shannon Brown from Australia, now living in Chambly. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Here's where we say goodbye to everyone for listening, Shannon. Take it away, sir. Everybody, really appreciate it, Greg. And uh, look forward to catching up with anyone who's keen to catch up. Cheers. You heard the man. Cheers. See you all next week. Bye. <laughs>